0: Our next speaker, we have two other speakers in the session. Um, The first one is Richard Williams, and the second one is going to be John Lewis coming to us on Skype from New Zealand. Richard Williams is the founding director of the Wheatley Institution at Brigham Young University, an institution that, as I understand it, is designed to uh, promote public policy and uh, deep and serious thought on issues that concern the fundamental institutions of society. And those include family, faith, ethics, education, and a variety of other subjects that are vital. So he's got his hands full in directing this institution to think about these vital areas. One of the areas that I've admired for a long time in Richard's thought has been the subject of agency, something that has become a topic of choice by many neuroscientists and others who've claimed that agency is impossible. And we are very pleased, given the number of questions we've had on this topic, to welcome uh, Richard to speak to us on that topic. I should point out too that in addition to the topic he's going to present today, he's also been an ardent um, uh, expositor on the subject of scientism, the philosophy that uh, that says that uh, science defined narrowly is the only way that truth can be found. We hope, uh, and we think he's going to address that topic at least a little bit uh, during his talk today, and we hope in some future venues. So um, we'll now uh, let Richard take the stand. We hope that uh, as our volunteers circulate, you won't hesitate to uh, write down some questions for the speaker. It's
1: an honor for me to be here. I want to thank uh, the uh, fine folks who invited me and made this possible, and I want to thank uh, those of you who have come uh, to participate with us. Uh, this is not a small topic. Uh, this is like the history of the world in 15 minutes. Um, my training is, a, as, is as a psychologist, my specialization has been in uh, philosophical and historical issues within the discipline. And my special love and uh, where I've spent my, uh, most of my work is on the topic of human agency. And human agency, I think, our understanding of ourselves as agents or not, is where the rubber hits the road sometimes in our lives in this conflict or supposed conflict between science and religion. Uh, It is difficult to understand, perhaps especially our religion, but religion in general, what it might be among people who are not fundamentally moral agents. What does it mean to worship for, we wouldn't think, a mechanical a piece of mechanism could worship very well. Uh, without human agency, the, the religion seems to be very odd, to say the least. And many conceptions of human science seem to make agency impossible or illusory or something like that. So agency is a very interesting topic because this, the science and religion, I think, come together in that area in ways that they don't come together anywhere else. So my job today, as, as the title says, is to sort of discover some common ground, some ways of talking about uh, human agency that makes sense in terms of science and religion. And I have to say at the outset that it will be probably a different sense of agency than the one we are familiar with. I'll just hold that out as uh, the direction this is going to take. See if I'm smart enough to move this whoops well that didn't work very well I I wanted to start with uh, a, a little slide that talks about Sir Francis Bacon's discussion of idols right at the beginning of the scientific revolution and he talked about what science had to confront and how science was better than what was going on in the world of knowledge he talked about idols of the tribe that is, hopes and fears and prejudices uh, that, that affect what we see. I belong to this tribe, so I see the world this way, and we need science to rescue us from that. What I want to suggest today is if you're not careful, science becomes a tribe as well, and it determines what you will see and what it means and how you think of it. Tribals, uh, idols of the cave, untrained minds rely on customs and opinions uh, from those we read and those who we de- who, to whom we defer, that is there's a, there's a reverence for authority here and we, t- we tend to accept that rather than more certain knowledge and I'm, all I would suggest is that science has not been immune from those kinds of effects. Or idols of the marketplace, we all know what happens in the marketplace But in addition to buying and selling, it's gossip or, as he phrases, the loose use of words, using common words in technical senses. Human agency or freedom, free will itself, is a very commonly used word and it gets used in a technical sense. Inventing words to name objects of our imagination. What has been referred to, I think, in, as a virtus dormitiva. That is, you, 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 you make a term for it and act as if the term explains something. And finally, uh, idols of the theater, grand systematic dogmas. Let me suggest there are even scientific grand systematic uh, dogmas that uh, really turn out to be worlds of our own creation. So let me suggest that even science at times uh, uh, worships at the altar of these idols. Now, let me quickly add the best scientists do not, but science is like any other field. You get low entry positions and, and and sometimes it develops a uh, an ethos all its own. So I, I have found myself in my career in a very difficult place where I take issue not only with traditional science but traditional philosophy and traditional religious views. I sometimes wonder if I have any allies at all. Um, The traditional approach to understanding human agency, I think, is deeply flawed. Agency is a fundamentally human phenomenon, and that you say, well, of course it is. What else would it be? But but I mean that in a a very particular and, and technical sense. It is a human phenomenon and can't really be modeled on other kinds of things. We have to be very cautious here. And, and the loose use of words that Bacon warned us about. If we talk about human uh, agency as a quality or an attribute or a characteristic or a capacity, the next question is, well, where did this quality come from? Did I not get that? There we go. Where did the quality come from? Where did the capacity come from? What, what are its attributes? And pretty soon, You've named something in order to explain agency, which itself is not agentic. Uh, And so you have to be very careful how you discuss this. So I want to let it sit right now as a uniquely human phenomenon in a very holistic sense. It's not a category. It's not a quality. It's not an attribute. It's not a skill. Because you try to chase those back and find their origin, and pretty soon they're no longer agentic. So... The trick has been to explain uh, agency in a non-human world. That is, if we take uh, scientism, if we fall into scientism, the world is completely understandable by certain kinds of natural laws. Well, how do you carve out, how do you make sense of, how do you develop an idea of human agency with teeth in it? in a completely non-human deterministic uh, uh, objective world. We have to remember it's a human phenomenon. Now, the form this has mostly taken throughout the years is to talk about agency in terms of free will. That, I think, is a mistake for reasons that I'll get into. In a completely efficiently causal word, in the bad sense of efficiently causal, can there actually be free will And I'm going to argue, no, there cannot, but fortunately for all of us, there can be a genuine human agency and we want to try to unpack what that might look like. Traditionally, the question of human agency has been cast in terms of two possibilities, compatibilism and incompatibilism. But they set the problem up in a way that uh, the fix is already in. That is, let's assume that all events in the world are determined by external causes. What must human agency be in that would be in that setting? That is, can human agency be compatible with a efficiently causal universe in the colloquial and non-technical, non-Aristotelian use of efficient causal? Uh, And the answer is usually yes, but only on the margins, okay? I can have agency in a causal world if I get to do what I want. I'm an agent because I want to do this. I can do what I want, and that's enough. Now, what I want, of course, is a function of that causal human world. But I'm having fun at the margins, okay? I'm enjoying that freedom out at the margins where it doesn't mean anything. And, And we're pretty satisfied with that as long as we don't think about it. So what usually happens is we hammer the definition of agency until it fits. Yes, to be an agent is to have fun uh, acting on your own wants, which are given to you without any contribution from yourself. The other view, of course, is incompatibilism, which says, of course not. Uh, There is no agency, but why should we care? As long as uh, the granaries are full and the people have bread and so forth, uh, it shouldn't make a difference. Some illusions of freedom are useful. This is a, a useful illusion. It helps us behave ourselves sometimes, because we think we may actually be responsible for something. Uh, we'll behave ourselves better. Or just give it up and stare down the empty abyss. Suck it up and realize there is no meaning, and it all the curtain comes down, and it and it stays down. So just have the courage to accept that. So. That's usually the ground within which the question of human agency is brought up. And you can see, I think, how that maps on to science. Science will, the, what most people understand to be science, sets up the grounds in which the discussion takes place. Yes, there is a completely causal external world. Now, let's try to get some, squeeze some agency in around the edges of that. Well, the traditional approaches then of human agency, Um, bring us to two major conclusions. Traditional approaches explain agency from within a non-human artificial or impossible world. That is they'll say given absolute determinism, given laws of nature governing everything, uh, what could human agency possibly be? That doesn't throw much light on the phenomenon of human agency. And secondly, traditional approaches explain human agency only in terms of free choice. That's a very old tradition, and I think, as I hope to show in just a few minutes, it's misleading. To be a human agent is to be able to make free choices. And human agency, thus explained, can only, in my judgment, be trivial, some fun around the edges, or impossible, for reasons that I'll show. So we need an alternative approach if we're going to save agency, and I might add that for Latter-day Saints, this is by no means a trivial issue. We stake a lot on human agency. I believe we fought a war for that, whatever it meant. Uh, This is absolutely essential, I think, for us. Well, who cares? From a religious side... I think it's safe to conclude we care because without human agency, actions are meaningless. In order to assign meaning to something, we have to be able to point to it, to choose it out of something else. You say, what did you mean? How do you answer the question? What did you mean? Well, of all of the things I could have mean, I meant that one. That's the one I mean. To be able to point something out from a realm of possibilities. If we have no realm of possibilities that are genuine possibilities, nothing means anything. Everything is a simple tropism in the biological world or a simple uh, necessary occurrence. I can't mean something because whatever I said or did is just what happened and I didn't select it out of any other group. Acts that, if there is no agency, acts cannot reasonably be judged, either praiseworthy or blameworthy. Now, we will tend to do that because if we don't, it's hard to maintain the legal system. But utilitarianism, which says, well, the greatest good for the greatest number, whatever brings about success, that's what we'll call good, that's about as sophisticated an ethics as you can get, lacking some genuine human agency. You can't hold me responsible in any other way than I offended the society. I did something that broke up the utility of our culture. So morality with teeth in it fades away in the absence of genuine agency. Um, And without human agency, behavior is always generic. That is, I do what the cosmos Enables me to do. I do what my biology enables me to do and I do it as a manifestation of something more general than myself I think it was the the quip is attributed to Soren Kierkegaard talking about Hegel when Professor Hegel went home at night. He went home to someone in general (laughs) Because someone in general is just the end result of causal lawfulness operating to create who and what we are So genuine human intimacy is not really possible if there is no fundamental agency. I can't choose my relationships. I don't create my relationships. I play them out. I'm a stage, not an actor. And I can't know the other person because so are they. And the two of us, Just happen to have the stimuli that bring us together in pleasant ways but that's about as far as you can go. Now there are fuller -er forms of this argument that I don't have time for. Without human agency covenants I say are impossible. How can I make a covenant to do X if I'm not sure whether six months from now my biology shifts or the cosmos shifts and I have no control over what I do. So All covenants become temporary, I'll try it as long as I can kinds of promises. You can't expect a covenant from from a person who does not have in some fundamental way control of their actions. So just forget about Mosiah 6.15. It says the Lord will stamp you his, the Lord will seal you his. How can he do that if you're going to keep shifting on him? Well, that's from the religious side. Uh, What about from the science side? Well, the big issue in regards to science and agency is uh, determinism. Uh, The problem is usually set up wrongfully, I believe, between determinism and free will. Science requires determinism, and I think that's absolutely the case. There has to be a rationally discernible order in the events of the world. Most people look at free will as leaving holes in that or shaking that up, that just can't be. There, in the minds of many people there's a fundamental incompatibility. I think many solutions to this, I don't have time to go into it, that we tend to proffer in order to save agency because we understand it's important are too superficial, they don't get to the heart of the matter, but I don't have time to, to deal with those. What I want to suggest is that science, qua science is metaphysically neutral. It has a stake in the orderliness of the world. But I don't think science has any stake in the nature or origin of that orderliness. I've asked a lot of my uh, more hard-headed friends, so whose lab shuts down just in case God exists? And I've never been able, no one's ever had to say that, that my scientific lab will shut down. Or I try to talk to, uh, you know, whose laboratory has to has to stop in psychology, my own discipline, just in case we are real agents. Nobody. So it's, it's not it's not necessary that we take this hard determinist position. It's just because science is metaphysically neutral. It doesn't care as long as there's an orderliness that can be unfolded in certain ways. What's really happened is that science has been hijacked. Uh, Bastian von Frassen wrote his excellent book on empiricism. He says empiricism is great, but what happens is naturalism comes in and takes over the the fort. And, And science does not require a naturalism, either a reductive naturalism or an emergent naturalism. All it requires is an orderliness that can be unfolded through systematic investigation. Von Frossen is is, is a, a very good source for that. I wish I had time to make these seem realistic, but I've got too much to cover. So let's think about determinism and, and human agent, agency. The classical formulation is that, in the social sciences at least, we anchor a dimension of meaningfulness with determinism on one end and freedom, free will, human agency on the other, and I haven't defined the agency yet so th- I'm just going to use the general term agency and free will and let it run together for a minute. But that's the, that's the dimension. So either you believe in determinism or there's agency. So agency, freedom are the opposite of determinism. If you have one, you can't have the other. And we put them on a dimension but the, mid- the middle areas of that dimension are undefined. What does it mean to be kind of free? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Unfortunately, there's another dimension that functions between determinism on the one hand and indeterminism on the other. Events are determined or are they are indeterminate. Now what happens, you have those two dimensions, and so someone who ends up in defending human agency must defend indeterminism. So human agency begins to take the form in people's minds and sometimes in their work of indeterminism, that is randomness in action. I am free because there's a glitch somewhere that, proce- that produces somehow an ability to make a random, undetermined action. Well, would you fight a war in heaven for that privilege? I would not fight a war in heaven for the privilege of behaving randomly. So, human be- agency then is taken to, deter- to entail indeterminism and it will manifest itself in random acts, both of which I think are absurd. But that's what we've been faced with in the defense of agency. Let me present what I call a minimalist defense of a a definition of of, uh, determinism. It says of human agency, I, I did the slide wrong. This is a minimalist definition of determinism. I think all you need for determinism to work and do everything science requires, is the that the proposition be true that all events have meaningful antecedents absent which they would not occur or at least they would not be what they are okay so we line it up antecedents precede events it can be an event or an action so the question of agency is not whether events have meaningful antecedents without which they would occur they would not occur but the nature of the connection between the events and antecedents. Can you think of some connections between a human event and antecedents? That would indicate there was no agency, or if true, would destroy agency. Mechanisms of all sorts. If, if the event, if the uh, link is between an event and its antecedents is a mechanical one, there is no agency. If it's a chemical one, there is no, there are lots of links between events and antecedents, that make agency impossible. There's no wiggle room in there. But there are events, or connections between events and antecedents, which make agency possible, I believe. They're called meaningful connections in which the agent is constitutively engaged. That is, the universe is not random. Uh, We are engaged in it in meaningful ways. Well, what I want to suggest is the problem is that we've always defined agency as free will, a libertarian kind of free will. Don't have time to walk through that, but there are, I think it is patently uh, evident that uh, there's no such thing as free will because if it's actually agency, it has reasons and causes and it's meaningful, and if it's actually free, it has none of those. So what I want to suggest is that agency requires a few things and I'll end with this collection of things. What must be the case for human agency to uh, be the case? First of all, I'm going to define human agency not as choosing from among alternatives but from having the world truthfully. And what must be required for agency to flourish, number one, we are eternal uncreated intelligence. We have always been and always will be. If we're not, then whatever created us puts limits on our agency. It's not real. It's just a playground within the context of what's true of us by necessity. We are the kinds of beings who act, not the kind who are acted upon because of that innate intelligence with which we are possessed. We are possessed with rationality sufficient to at least negate our own reasons and to behave for the sake of reasons. That's not the essence of agency, we just have to be smart enough to do that. There is a source of truth I'm going to define agency as having the world truthfully. That requires a source of truth. Without a source of truth, there is no agency, and if there were, it wouldn't mean anything, because what purpose would it serve? There is a moral purpose to life within which our agentic acts unfold. We live in a world of moral possibility and moral consequences. Without possibility and consequences, agency would have no meaning. Human agency is not a quality or a capacity Uh, of human beings. It's not just something in there. It is our essential being or rootedness in the world. Now choices are not the essence of our agency but they flow from it. And I'm going to suggest that the essential manifestation of our agency will be in the form of a yielding rather than a controlling. The essential form of agency is not to control oneself But to yield oneself to the truth. I apologize that this is sketchy. You don't even see the rest of the sides I spent so much time doing, spent too much time introducing. But there are publications on this, I'll be happy to share if anyone's interested. Thank you.
0: I'm going to let you do some triaging here, because they're kind of diverse.
1: Um, some examples of science being hijacked uh, by naturalism. Um, I guess my question, uh, here's the question that, that uh, would, pro- would I'll use as a, as a response to this. I ask uh, whose laboratory would have to close just in case there's a god? Is there some scientific program of research that must come to a halt? just in case there's a god. Um, I can't think of one. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters to science. For all we know, it could be causal rays from green people on Mars that are making the world behave as it does. It doesn't matter so long as there is an orderliness, a predictability, and and those things. So some people will argue that a a truly scientific uh, explanation can have no place for agency. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. You you only need uh, an orderliness sufficient to show that things aren't random. Why that comes about, how that comes about, could be God making things on random and science could roll on just fine. Uh, Some neuroscience and philosophers try to solve the problem of agency or free will through a uh, mechanical explanation. What do you think about these efforts? I think that they're doomed to failure uh, by definition. Uh, I'm going to define freedom as having the world truthfully rather than free will. Free will is a different problem. It always has constraints and we just have to have enough of it that we're not simply natural organisms being worked upon by natural forces. And I think there's enough evidence uh, that that is the case. We, we, we simply we, we simply say no when we're created. And, you chase that back. And say, well, yeah, but you said no because of the natural causes that made you you uniquely able to say no. You just chase that back forever, but that's hardly scientific. Uh, that's just a logic game. Um, I think that those efforts are not going to work. They're going to be very good at showing how behaviors happen. They're going to become very good at predicting what will happen. But to get at the origin or source of them, they're not going to be able to do that. As I understand that that work, I'm not deeply involved in it. But as I look at it, it still is eternally correlational. There's an argument about why you can't get anything but correlational uh, information, but I won't make that, I don't have time. Uh, Do I think quantum mechanics will give a scientific explanation of free agency? Um, Not unless you want free agency to be random, as I understand quantum mechanics. I mean, just to say it's unpredictable doesn't save agency, it saves unpredictability. You don't get a lot of meaning or moral uh, grounding out of unpredictability. So I think quantum mechanics loosens things up for a more general understanding but I, th- I don't think it is an explanation as it now stands as I understand it. There are some anecdotal stories that suggest we choose our path, chose our path on earth life before we came here. So would our agentic choices actually have taken place mainly before we came to earth. Uh, I don't think so. It seems to me that what we know about agency is it goes all the way down. If it doesn't, uh, why set it up as a charade that makes us think we do when we don't? Uh, if if the if choice that's why I ultimately argue free agency doesn't or freedom doesn't consist in the making of choices. The, the metaphor breaks down. It's in having the truth and the capacity to live one's life in accordance with truth or falsity. So I I don't think uh, making all those choices ahead of time, it's like uh, you get to set up the dominoes, but once the first one falls, your agency is over with. That that doesn't doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, What what about such moral issues like sexual orientation as science discovers biological reasons for orientation? Uh, How is agency addressed? Does agency uh, seem unjust if one person is predisposed it seems like one person might enjoy more agency than another. Well, I think one person enjoys more agency than another, but in my judgment, it's only given away. I am somewhat aware of the art of the uh, research on sexual orientation. Uh, this we don't have time to get into. That what I the issue is: how does meat and chemical produce something as intricate, as morally laden, as a sexual orientation? or a drive or anything else. This is that loose use of words, I think. I think the, the research, there are a lot of odd correlations, but what I'm going to ultimately argue is you can't get sexuality out of meat and chemical, heterosexuality or homosexuality. Sexuality isn't a matter of meat and chemical. Uh, your meat and chemicals are there, they're involved, but they're also involved in climbing ropes and throwing baseballs and driving cars. But they don't direct, they don't direct. And so I think we have to be very careful. I'm, I am aware of some of that research and I think the reduction is impossible. Uh, what about the effect of political forces on shaping and limiting open candid discussions on emotionally charged issues with respect to science? Um, I think that's a a problem. I think we ought to be able to discuss it openly. Unfortunately in some circles science itself closes itself off. Uh, I think they perceive threats that that maybe aren't there. On the other hand there are immature and foolish charges leveled at science. I, I think there are false on both sides and what we need to do is get down to the bottom of things and lay out first of all a human ontology. What does it mean to be a human being? Then talk about science in a metaphysically innocent way. Put suspend its metaphysical commitments for a while and see what it can produce. And the same on the other side, don't, don't demonize science, don't, don't launch off on things that, that uh, don't make sense. So I think we have a mistaken view of science and a mistaken view of agency and when they come together the results just aren't good. I apologize for going so fast, I should have timed myself better, and uh, read the written version. It'll be cooler than this. Thank you.